Welcome to Bold Becoming Identity Retooled. This podcast is where we explore the landscape of the immensity of landmines that exist for people who've lost their sense of identity, who've been shaken to the core, and are relearning who they are now that a part of them is lost. It's stories of how people manage this struggle, regain their footing, and the gifts they've discovered along the way. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, podcasters, today we have Christina Stevenson, and she is making a podcast about motherhood, and I just last year found out from this woman in my fiber guild that sometimes motherhood, especially like stay-at-home mothers, that she wasn't she had lost her identity and was flipping out. And, and then another woman in that meeting had just quit her job to go home and be a mother and was completely flipping out. And I was like, oh my God, I guess maybe this is a, because at the time, and I still am, it's still not done, but I was working on making um, identity loss workshop for overcoming unexpected identity loss. And I was like trying to niche down because that's what my marketing guy, Seth Seth Godin, guru says, you know, find a small group, start with your first 10, build premium for them. And I was thinking, oh, maybe this could be because there's so many ways that people get the rug pulled out from under them and lose their identity. And I had never, it had never occurred to me because I was a single mom working two jobs that a mother getting to stay home and raise her kids would completely be flipped out. Actually, I just interviewed her and now I'm going to interview Christina because she's, well, we're going to hear your story, but that's why I invited you because I think this is a very important topic. Motherhood in the modern day is not what it used to be. And like my generation, your generation, we've been, we've been sold the dream that we can have our cake and eat it too. And in my case, that didn't work out very well. And then, but apparently even the stay-at-home mothers is not working out so well. And so let's hear your story about motherhood, Christina, and how that affected your identity. Did I, Julie, did I give was, a good lead in? Or oh, too much? you did. Losing identity is so fabulous because I've lost it pretty much, well, twice that I, I really, really have been affected by. And the first time was not even as a mother. And I don't know if you want me to just hone in on the motherhood loss of no, identity. No, no, this is, this mention, is okay. anything because actually I've lost it more than a handful of times. Yeah. And, and actually I think most people have and they just might not recognize it or maybe they didn't go so low or it might not, you know, might not have been such a low blow. So you talk about whatever you want on this show. <laughs> I love it, okay. I'll follow um, your and, lead. Okay, super. <laughs> and, and they all have happy endings. And, and I just want to say before I get into the story that uh, I never stop learning about myself or my identity. So there's never like, oh, okay, I've made it. <laughs> there's always right. like something new. But there are times when I feel so lost that it's just, it, it really does catch up with me. The first time was I was married once before. So I'm currently married to a fantastic man. And I was married before. And during that time where I was married before, even though in your bio, you say your, your husband is, well, I'm not going to use the word because I'm going to ask. Oh oh yeah. He's, he's a brat. He's such a brat and he's a charming brat, but he's, you know, he's fantastic. I love him dearly. And he, he always loves to mess with me. 
and okay. he's really the man of my dreams. So yeah, okay. he's a bratty, bratty, charming man. A from, bratty from man of my dreams. <laughs> yes, a bratty man <laughs> of my dreams. <laughs> because he makes me feel cherished, loved, and adored. That's really it. Oh God. So, so um, isn't that what they're supposed to do? Uh, women out there what, yes. if you're not having that maybe maybe things need adjustment yeah because so what I learned from my ex is of course what I don't want which led me to what I do want and what yeah. I do want is to be is to feel cherished loved and adored and that's what he did oh. so going back to my ex it was a very unhealthy relationship and um it was yeah very unhealthy so <clears throat> At the time when I decided to get a divorce, because it was me who decided, he was not happy with that at all. And fast forward to the point where I was living in Northern Virginia at the time. And uh, we were originally from Albany, New York. So we had moved for my job, he wasn't working. So I was a breadwinner. And so we moved to Northern Virginia, I was working and he was trying to do all these things, but was failing at everything. So fast forward to the time where he came from Albany, New York to Northern Virginia with the moving truck with a buddy. And it was a 26 foot moving truck, so it was big. I was over at my next door neighbor's house. I wasn't inside the house because it wasn't a good idea for me to be inside when he came. And a few hours later, maybe it was six hours later, I went back into our house and it was like <laughs> the Grinch who stole Christmas. He took everything. He took everything. There were two brooms in the house. He took the two brooms, the towels, all of it. And he left me with my day bed and a dresser and my little um, bowl chair. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but those uh, rattan chairs, it's like wicker with yeah. a bowl and you put a cushion in. And that was basically it. And, and my kitchen stuff, because I'm a, I love to cook. So he left all my kitchen stuff. But the funny thing about that was, is the dresser. Let me tell you about the dresser. We had two high boy dressers, the tall skinny ones. His was broken for a number of years and he never fixed it. So what he did when I was out of the house was he transferred my clothes um, into his broken dresser. And <laughs> left me with the broken dresser and took mine. So anyway, that's neither here nor there, but it's a funny story of how grinchy he actually was. Um, but anyway, after all was said and done, he cleaned out the house. Today you it can was, laugh and then you raged and cried and couldn't believe. Well, I was actually so happy that, that I got all of his stuff out of the house, but here's the thing, since he took all of the towels and, you know, I needed to take a shower, I went to target and I was standing in the towel aisle for a half an hour because I did not know what color that I liked. Talk about loss of identity. I had no idea who I was because I was kowtowing to him. I was placating him. I was enabling him. I was living for his happiness instead of focusing on my own. And I remember just standing in Target. It was all by myself, just staring like, oh, what color do I like? And I felt so so, like such a failure because I'm like, why don't I know my favorite colors? That just seems so ridiculous and absurd. And then I realized, oh, because I forgot who I was. Mm. So I ended up picking three colors. It was a lime green, an orange, and then a purple. And I'm like, okay, well, I think I like these. And I brought them back. And then, you know, and then I started to find my way. Well, those and are, those are real on the color circle. Those are really good together. 
oh, thank you. And I thought that they, they, they worked okay. And they made me happy. That was, that was the thing. So I chose them not because of what, you know, I don't know, the magazine said was supposed to be, you know, this, a beautiful house, but I chose it because when I looked at the color, I'm like, I felt a little of myself come alive. I felt my soul kind of tickle me behind the heart and say, Oh, Christina, I think you like that one that, that, you know, that made me ruffle my feathers a little bit in a good way, you know, not in a bad way, just kind of made me, oh, okay. Let you know, I, I didn't know how much color affected me and aesthetics, because I'm not a home decorator, so you haven't put anything up on my walls, sorry. But, I love it. Um, but I finally got my bedrooms painted. They were this dirty, polluted, sky blue, gray. It was so depressing. And I was a single mom working two jobs. I didn't have money to paint and, and I didn't have time and energy to do it myself. And finally, um, I got this guy to do it. And I, it was like a physical transformation. And I was like, if I had known how much aesthetics affected me physically, mentally, emotionally, I would not have waited 10 or 15 years to do it. That it was- You always forget. My walls are yellow because that's, one of, that's my favorite color. And that so gray just, is beautiful. Is there. it gray or blue? Um, this right here, these curtains are kind of minty green. Okay. And that's yeah. the wall is yellow behind me. Okay. Um, uh, but yeah, so, so what I did was, in order to figure out who I was, I did a whole bunch of things, but the thing that is most prominent is yoga. Mm-hmm. I just started yoga, saved my life. It actually made me aware of so many things, the food I put in my, my body, the way that I breathe, the way that I view myself, my confidence, my beauty. Yeah. Yeah. My self-worth. And it actually gave me the courage to be aware that the marriage I was in was unhealthy. So it started with yoga, right? Oh, you got into and yoga before you got divorced. A little bit. Yes. And so and that then you started to realize actually yeah, not- what wasn't Ooh. in alignment yes, who I was, who I needed to become. And in fact, the yoga, I I remember this clear as day, it was Cinco de Mayo back in 2010, right? And I was bubbling up the courage to admit to myself that three things needed to happen for me to just get my soul back in little pieces. One was I needed to get a divorce because I don't know, I got married but I didn't get married thinking that I would get a divorce later, right? Like who's, who wants to fail at a marriage, right? It's not why so, you get married. Yeah, so that really, I didn't want to face that truth. Right. Um, the, the second thing that uh, yoga taught me to do was to get back in touch with my mother because I actually had divorced her for seven years. Mm-hmm. I hadn't spoken to her for seven years. And that was because a large part of my ex-husband, he was so toxic. And I didn't realize it because my self-esteem was so low that I settled for the first guy who, who, in, who had, had an interest in me, right? Instead of saying, oh, well, what do I want? The third thing, oh, we're going to go really deep now, Julie, okay? So, so I, I tell you the third thing because it relates to the whole marriage. The third thing was I had to defriend myself of another toxic relationship in my life. And that was due to my ex-husband pressuring me to be in an open marriage. I don't know if you know what an an open marriage is. I do know what an open marriage is. And I don't judge people for open marriages. You know, I- It complicates things. Yeah, whatever blows your hair back. But the thing about open marriage for me is I wasn't getting in my primary relationship what I needed. 
So I thought that I was going to get it in this secondary relationship. And for those of you who don't know what an open marriage is, it's basically um, having affairs with other people, but everybody knows about it. So it's having relationships, sexual relationships, emotional relationships with other people, but you tell your spouse and the spouse and you tell the other person you're getting into a relationship with. And for me, it wasn't my best choice because I was looking to feel cherished, loved and adored. And I wasn't. And then I was looking to these other relationships to feel cherished, loved and adored. And of course it was just a booty call because, you know, yep. why, why, why do you want to get involved with that, with that hot mess? Right. So anyway, yoga taught me those three things. And I was on the floor, I was on my knees just crying and like, you know, my arms, my palms opened up to the, to the sky. And I said, what is the truth? Just tell me what the truth is. And then the I truth realized, about what? The truth about what I needed to do. Okay. The truth about what I need, like I needed to divorce my ex-husband. I needed to um, gather myself again with my mother and I need to, needed to drop this other relationship that I had, this open relationship that I had. And it felt like, I call it the dead tree branch. And the truth came to me in these three things. And I didn't want to face it because those are three scary things that I didn't want to face. Because then what are you left with? Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I had met, been with this man for nine years and then I'm going to stop all that. And then, you know, it was just, it was intense. And did you have any so, kids by now? No, thank God. <laughs> thank goodness. I didn't have any kids with this man. So <clears throat> I was there. I realized what it was. And then I felt like the dead tree branch just dropped. And I just cried my eyes out because the thing about it is the dead tree branch is a part of you. It's, it was a part of me, this dead tree branch, even though it was dead, it wasn't thriving. It wasn't growing. It was still a part of me and I now didn't want to let attached. it go. Yeah. Right. So finally, when I let that drop, of course, it created this, this, you know, rip a complete tear in my heart. You know, as a dead tree branch falls off a tree, you can envision it, it just breaks. And now you're left with like a fresh piece of bark where there's no more branch, right? But then after I decided to do those things- What a metaphor, you, that is so beautiful. Right? That has to heal. Yes, well then all these little, you know, new green sprouts started growing from that dead tree branch. From the tree, meaning me, who was- It allowed hurt. for new growth. Yes, exactly. But it was so hard to drop that dead tree branch because it's a part of you and you don't want to let that go. So, you know, that was when I started rolling with the divorce from my ex-husband. And that was really hard for the next three years. And then I got back together with my mother. It was Mother's Day. So we're Cinco de Mayo. And then Mother's Day comes, I don't know, a few days later. Yeah. I called her up on the phone and I said, mom, it's Christina. I forgive you. And do you have a good tiramisu recipe for me? And we both cried because I hadn't oh. spoken to her in seven years. And then the other toxic relationship, the open marriage guy, I'm like, you know what? This isn't working. I'm done. Thank you for teaching me a humongous lesson. See you later. So and that's he, when I and he just went off into the ethers. He went out, you know, and he made some promises. Oh, when you get back to Albany, let's get together. Hey, that would be great. Never heard from him again. Because the thing is, is that, and this is true for any relationship or any person, when it comes to uh, what someone says and what someone does, always pay attention to what they do. Totally. Right. Cause actions speak louder than words. So of course, you know, he was just not, he was not meant for me. I was not meant for him. And that was that. So I continued with the yoga. Then I met the man of my dreams. But wait, hold on. Before you go on that part yeah. of the story, I want to know how okay. did you, how did you realize that you had lost your identity and that you were like, had to do something differently what 
what happened for you to put all those pieces together? Um, what okay, did it well, look like back then? It, it looked like I was overweight back then. And, um, I, and I moved to a different state, got a new job, had no friends. And my ex-husband was an anchor around my neck, dragging me down. Wait, you, so you were, you were divorced already? Mm -mm. No, you're still no, this, married. We're still married. And in order to cope with all of these things, moving, getting a new job, um, being away from family and friends, uh, waking up in a place that I didn't recognize, I started the yoga. And the oh. yoga was the, the catalyst of making me find who I was again, because I, what I did was I went to yoga three days a week. And I also volunteered in the yoga studio one day a week, every Friday night, because I had no friends. I thought, oh, you know what? Let me just do this Friday nights to, to occupy my time, to make me feel good, not to have a pity party every Friday night. And so the whole transition of yoga was, you know, I lost about 25 pounds. And so my self-esteem increased, my self-worth increased, my feelings of self-confidence, self-esteem, the inner beauty. I'm like, wow, you know, and I could feel I was so in tune with myself, with how I felt when I was around other people mm. that I could feel whatever things um, brought my energy lower and what brought my energy higher. You had something to contrast. Yes, I had, I had like a, a, a meter inside of me. Yep. I had an, an energy meter. I had a feel good meter, actually a feel good meter. And so when I was with my ex-husband. So because you made, you found new places to be, mm -hmm. then you could start to, to actually feel that meter happening. Because if you spend too much time in, in a bad place, you don't actually even know the difference. No. No, so I started to recognize what felt good, what didn't, what foods I was eating that made me feel good, what foods I was eating that didn't, what people I was around made me feel good, what people I was around who didn't make me feel good. And from that space, I was able to pivot and change my course of direction, even by one degree, to move myself toward the things and the- Hold ideas. on, this is important. Yeah even by one degree. So this means that we don't have to have the whole answer. We don't have to know exactly where our destination is. We just one day at a time make small commitments to change and follow through on those. Perfect. That's what one, that's one degree means, right? Of course. And through all this time, you know, I was constantly reminding myself, okay, so I felt like I was in the dark. I was walking. The metaphor was I was walking in the dark. I didn't feel the ground underneath me. And all I said was one step at a time. And that's the one degree, you know, when I, when and I, then, and then way, the next steps reveal themselves, right? Yes. Like we yes, don't want to, we don't want to make a decision. We don't want to start forward until we have some sort of certainty. And yet that's not how it works. How it works is we take a step and the next step reveals itself. Isn't that scary? Was that scary? Of course. Oh my God. It felt like I was falling every day, but guess what? I didn't like, I would take a step, right. Or I would make a decision. So in real life, what I would do is I was, I would make a decision. Okay. I'll tell you what it was. The decision was we shared a credit card. My ex and I shared a credit card. Ooh. 
and I was paying for it. He was spending on it. I was paying for it. And I was ready to separate from him. And I'm like, I am not paying for his junk anymore. And that was a big deal for me to even make the decision for that. Because I knew as soon as I told him, because he didn't have a job. Remember, I was the moneymaker. He didn't have a job. And I knew he was going to thrash and become belligerent and was going to verbally, you know, up one side and down the other. And I remember I was on the phone and my girlfriend was next to me and we were both working. She was psyching me up the whole day. You can do it. You can do it. Just give him a call. Just tell him. Thank no. God and I, for support. I know. And, and I'm telling you, like, this feels so idiotic that I'm telling you this. It's like, well, I, you know, well, what are you talking about? All you had to do was say, I'm not paying the credit card. But for me, it was a, a humongous deal because I was a victim of abuse. I was. Um, just so beat down every day, you know, I couldn't think for myself. You were emotionally imprisoned with yes. this guy. Yes, yes. So I remember I called him on the phone. So this is what I mean about making a decision, right? This is about me, you know, stepping in the dark. So I stepped in the dark. I'm like, okay, I'm going to call him today. That's the dark. I don't know how he's going to react. I don't you're know. Still, do you're still living together. You're married to the guy and you're going to call him and tell him that he, you're not yes. going to support him anymore. Yes. And this, by this time he's in Albany because he said, well, I can't make a living here in Virginia. I'm going to go back to Albany and do what I've always done because he felt like a big fish in a small pond in Albany, New York. Whereas in Northern Virginia, he didn't know anybody, nobody knew him and he couldn't, he couldn't hold a dog walking job. And dog walking jobs are not easy. I am not poo-pooing the dog walking job, but this was a guy, you know, you don't really, it was just like, he got the job for two weeks, right? And then he said he couldn't handle it anymore. And I'm like, okay, here we go. So he went back to Albany, New York to do what he was doing. And I called him on the phone with my girlfriend next to me. I was shaking. I was absolutely shaking. My voice was cracking. I actually wrote down a little monologue so that I wouldn't forget. Good. And that, that's what I mean, like darkness. I was in the darkness, but I had little clues, like, you know, writing my monologue. That was a step. Yeah. I'm making the decision to call him. That was a step. Breathing. That was a step. Having my girlfriend there. That was a step. And I told him, not going to pay for your credit card. And of course, what I predicted to happen, happened up one side, down the other. I finally ended up hanging up on him and saying, too bad. So sad. Boom. And I landed on my feet. I was okay. And I'm like, oh, okay, that step is done. Now, what am I going to do with the next step? So at this point, you hadn't decided to divorce yet, or had you? Um, yeah, I did, but I didn't tell him. Okay, so, so, so you, you did actually know this direction you were going. I and did. The first step is to not, you know, to, to sever the finances. Yes. And so this is May, right? So this epiphany was in May. And that whole summer, I spent taking small steps in preparation for divorcing him. I would say that those were pretty big steps. Uh, they were, but you know, if I had thought about the big step of divorce while I was thinking about it, I never would have done anything. So I just said, okay, what's my one degree? Okay. So the one degree was to stop paying for, get him off your credit card. Yep. And what other steps? <laughs> oh my gosh. It's going back now. Um, I, I think it was. You know what? I called a whole bunch of my girlfriends and my sister and I told them what was going on. So that was my next step, like getting support. That was the next step. Oh, wow. 
And I had a whole bunch of people come visit me that summer. I had my sister come visit me for a weekend. My girlfriend who was sitting next to me with the credit card thing. I had two girlfriends of mine show up. They stayed with me for a weekend. Um, and I told people at work. Um, what else did I do? Now that's a big move. It is a big move because yeah, that's big, way bigger than telling your girlfriends because your girlfriends, you can go wishy-washy, but at work, you have this status that you want to like, yeah, show that you're a, a stable person, right? <laughs> well, because I was crying so much and I went into my boss's office. I'm like, look, I'm going okay. through a thing. This is why I'm crying. It's not going to affect my performance. You don't have to worry about it, but this is what's going on Good. behind the scenes. Right. And you need to know about it. I'm not asking for any favors. I'm just saying, if you see me, you know, crying or shaking, I'm just, I'm just letting you know. And my boss was so supportive. I mean, oh, all wow. these people came out of the woodwork. Oh my gosh, my next door neighbors. The other thing that I had to do was I had to, I couldn't afford the payment on my house. I didn't know where I was going to live. I had, we had to rent out the house. Right. And so my next door neighbors, I had befriended them. They were so fabulous. And she happened to be a real estate agent. So she was helping me look for apartments nearby my office and I could afford a studio apartment. Um, in the DC area, right? On my salary. And I had my bicycle. So I didn't even have a car. So the husband took the car when he came to Grinch, all of the stuff in the house, he took the car and I had my bicycle, which was fine because I loved my bicycle. And of course, when you go to the big cities like that, you have public transportation and all that other stuff. So it wasn't a huge deal. So except the principle uh, of the thing, but except the principle of the thing. Yeah. He took everything. He took everything and the motorcycle. We had a motorcycle, took that. I mean, it was everything. Um, <clears throat> And so we had to rent the house out. And so my next door neighbor took me to different places because I was going to stay and work. And he was going to go back to New York, to Albany. She took me to a place I could afford. Okay, I'm ready for the studio apartment. This is great. I can keep my bicycle. You know, I had three pieces of furniture. So it was a big deal. To it, wasn't, move. it wasn't a big move. <laughs> it was fabulous. It was the easiest move, right? That I could potentially think about. So while, but while I was looking for a place, like I really needed to get out, she came over, she helped me clean my whole house, get it ready. She got the people in there, it was a military family. And I ended up staying with her for six weeks in her house. She had roommates there, so super nice. She gave me, you know, a bedroom. She, you know, she slept in another room. She gave me her main bedroom with all this stuff. And I was so so grateful for that. So that was another step that I did. And all these things were just coming. Like the universe was sending me all of these solutions, all these people, but I didn't, I couldn't see it. I didn't know that that was a possibility. So my point is, I just did the next thing, you know, cause you don't know what's coming your way and you don't have to know how you're going to get there. As it turns out during that time that I was staying with her for six weeks, I ended up wanting to go back home with all my friends. And because I had just made up with my mother, I felt a calling to go back and be near my mom because I had been away from her for seven years. And I ended up applying for a job in my hometown and it was for the federal government. And you have to understand the, the position for which I applied was kind of uh, difficult to get, not because I'm, I'm tooting my own horn, but because those available positions didn't really open up that much. Mm -hmm. And I was on the interview and they called me for a second interview. And I remember when I hung up the phone, I just felt so electrified by this, I don't know, by this energy, like, oh man, I just got that job. I just got it. And I couldn't explain it, but I, I hung up smiling. It was fabulous. And of course I got the job. So 
I wasn't, I didn't move into the apartment in Virginia, the studio with my bicycle. I ended up taking a 10 foot box truck, putting all my stuff in there with room to spare, <laughs> driving back to New York. But again, where was I going to live in, in New York, right? Because I got this job and I, I didn't have an apartment. And lo and behold, I, this other friend, I'm, I'm just talking to people. Oh, I'm coming back home. Yay, yay, yay. I don't have a place to live. Do you know of a place? Well, yeah, my mother has an in-law apartment that's attached to her house and she's looking for a renter. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Here we things, go. Things open up when we go through the doorways. Yes, you just have to walk through it. You have, have to, to walk through you it. You have to walk through it, not knowing what's on the other side. Yep. And still I was finding myself. I was like, okay. And so then, oh, this is really funny, finding myself, talk about it. So let's fast forward a little bit. I moved back. I'm in the process of getting a divorce. It took so many years because he was being a butt. And then, uh, so I was now in the dating game, right? Because I wasn't a man hater and I knew that I wanted to get married again, but this time to the man of my dreams. And I was working a lot on dating, which was really Wait a minute. For and me. so- how had your identity shifted by then? Okay. It had shifted because I knew what I didn't want in a man. Okay. And I, I was, and it shifted because I knew who I wanted to be. Yes. I knew, I knew who I wanted to be and how I wanted to be. You know, I didn't want to be. And how you wanted little, to feel. How I wanted to feel most importantly. And I didn't want to feel, you know, like a scared little squirrel going this way and that way and this way and that way. I wanted to feel like, I don't know, butterfly, you know, like I'm here, everybody. And, and you know, butterfly this is me. freedom, sovereignty yep. and all my faults. And I was smiling all the time. I was making eye contact all the time. And that was really it. Like I didn't do anything crazy. I just smiled. <laughs> I just so wait, what was, did, was it a, like, was there like a, a point where you were, went over a threshold out of that? area of muck and and ambiguity and disorientation and fear or was it so gradual like addiction that you don't even really know that you went over the line yeah you know it was the thing I think the pivotal moment was that time I was crying on my floor the Cinco de Mayo that really opened up um the waterfall but the rest of it was little bits and pieces like I said the one degree just the one degree so I'll give you an example of a one degree I visited my friend whose mother had the apartment and she lived right down the road. And uh, she said, come on over and I'm getting rid of some clothes and I want you to try some on. Meanwhile, okay, let me tell you this. I really didn't know what kind of clothes that I liked. Okay. And, and I you're didn't how know. Old? You're not, you're not. A, oh, no, 30, a I'm 30, I'm 36, 37. Right. So this is the other part that I didn't know how I wanted to dress, because how you dress yourself is also a statement of who you are. Right. You can be dressed like Morticia Adams and you and you know who she is and you see who she is. And you're like, oh, OK, Morticia Adams, you, you know what kind of person Morticia Adams is because of how she dresses. Right. You can see Punky Brewster. <laughs> you know how Punky Brewster is because of all her crazy rainbow bright. Right. So typically you can get a feel for a person by the way they dress typically, you know, not always, but you know what I mean? Yep. Okay. So my friend said, okay, come on over, come and try on these, these girly boots, this girly skirt, this girly blouse, these girly dresses. And I found out that I really liked them. Oh, try on these. Cause before, I don't know, I was dressing in stuff that was, 
I guess, casual professional, but I was just buying clothes because they were cheap and because they fit. I wasn't really, I didn't have a style, right? And then, but in the beginning of this too, I also went to Dress Barn before I left Virginia. I'm kind of bouncing around. Before I left Virginia, when I was getting that summer, when I was getting ready to divorce, you know, I went to Dress Barn and, and the lady came over, the lady who worked there. Oh, can I help you with something? And I'm like, yes. And I started crying again. I'm like, I don't know what I like. Can you just please help me and fit? Just, just, just give me some clothes. And she said, coming right up. So it was a classic scene that you would see in a movie. I'd be in the dressing room and she would knock on the door. Here, try this. Here, try this. Here, try this. Here, try this. And she was so fabulous and she was so instrumental to my success and feeling good about myself that I went back there over and over and over. And she was so happy to help me. Okay, so now- and, But so now, I, wanna, I wanna just veer on that, stay in that lane for a minute because I okay. had this kind of style transformation when I lost my, my job as a social worker and ended up like with this teacher to make couture clothes. And therefore I needed to like, look like I was put together and I had never paid much attention to that at all and didn't know what my style was. And, 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 oh, I know. And so then I went to some different color consultants four in total, but you know, each one I went to, then I would go to the Goodwill just with my color colors and pick out stuff. And I tried on all of these different type of blouses that I would have never thought of wearing and I don't want to look at myself in the mirror I'm like whoa you you know that one really looks nice and 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 it was such a it was so exciting and so um it was just such a um surprise at how different wearing colors that work on you and then these different styles how different people treated me. Let's just put it straight up there, you know? And, yeah, and because I, you know why? Because you treated yourself differently after you put those clothes on, whether you knew it or not. Well, you treated, but it's not only, I'm not that, I don't go for this thing that we get treated how we teach other people to treat us. That only is half, half part of the solution. Okay. Other people have a lot of power to, to do whatever they want, regardless of what we're trying to have them do. And one of the things is, is that if we have every, every crack and crevice and bulge of our body showing the way that, you know, a lot of women do now, you know, everything is clinging to every single part of their body. And, um, or if you have it a little more, um, you know, some loose fit stuff. And if you have different color colors some colors actually I mean it's like the color thing really does make a difference it does and, and so um so so it's not so much that I'm feeling better it's that that these colors are working with me and okay. and the whole thing about this isn't a, I'm, I'm no color expert but the whole thing about wearing the right wardrobe, including the right colors, is that then it brings attention to your face and your voice and not your outfit. Your outfit is the supporting actor to your message and your, your energy. That's perfect. I love that. That is true. That is true. So anyway, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. 
That's okay. So, but yeah, so she, but when you said like, you tried on these blouses that you never thought to try on, she was giving me things that I never thought to try on. And lo and behold, it looked fabulous and it felt fabulous. So that, that was the one little degree. So going back now to my friend in Albany, New York, who invited me over to her house. So I had started to figure out who I was in clothes and who I wanted to be in clothes and who I wanted to feel like what I wanted to feel like in clothes. So then the, the next gradual thing, the next step that I did was, <laughs> this is really funny. I was such a chicken and I really had never dated because I never really had enough self-esteem to do it, right? And my girlfriend said, look, she just encouraged me. Another one, yeah, you have to go, just go out. You don't have to have sex or anything. You don't have to kiss them. You don't have to just go out and practice, practice. Just practice going out with guys and let them hold the door door open for you because I knew that I wanted to be treated like a lady. And for me, that means hold the door open for me. Oh my gosh, that makes me feel so feminine when, when somebody does that for me. So I just wanted to be, you know, I didn't expect them to pay for me all the time. I just wanted to figure out who I was in my body. And honestly, Julie, I didn't know what it felt like to feel like a woman. I had no idea. I had to read books about it. Like, you know, woman energy, feminine energy, masculine energy, you know, all that stuff. And it was such a remarkable experience that I actually learned how to do this. And of course, I felt like a fool again, because I'm like, duh, I'm a woman. Why didn't I know these things? But somehow or other, Julie, I really didn't know. Well, like, oh, I didn't know that either, because I was a tomboy and I didn't care about being girly. So were you, yes. were you a girly girl or were you? Um, you know, when I was little, I was, but then I worked as a probation officer, which didn't allow very much for the feminine to come out. And then from there, I kind of identified as that. So it's kind of cynical, a little bit tough, you know, tried to be something who I wasn't really. So as I, as I became, you know, more familiar with who I was on the inside, I kind of dropped all the cargo pant polo shirts cynicism a little bit I mean I'm still edgy you know I still have that that's inside me but I'm not as uh, extreme as I was back then so this time I was all flowery and girly and I was so afraid to go on some dates that what I did to practice was I went into I got all dressed up lipstick a little bit of makeup you know not a lot some some classy girly clothing you know pretty little dresses and I walked into Home Depot and I was just walking around. I didn't buy anything. I would just make eye contact with the men there and smile <laughs> and say hi. And then I would run away. Scary, hard. Yep. And that was my like one thing, my, my one degree, right? My one degree pivot. Like, oh, okay, I didn't die. I blushed, he blushed. And then I ran out of there, you know, with my butt on fire. I'm like, oh God. Okay, now I have to do it again next weekend. <laughs> and I was in there a total of five minutes, right? It took me half an hour to get ready, and I was in there for five minutes. So then, after that, you know, I went on a few dates that she set me up with, and there was really no pressure. And um, and the thing about that is that you know, when we were on dates, like I wanted a certain something, right? I wanted a certain kind of man. I wanted to get married again. Um, and, and so what I found out was that when I went on dates with these guys. They would tell me right away what they wanted, you know, without really telling me what they wanted. And so I was learning about myself, like, okay, well, I don't really have to settle for somebody who I think I'm going to change. 
right? I, oh, I was yeah. Learning a, oh, yeah. Right? No, you I, want I was them learning. as is. Right, right, exactly. So I was learning about myself. Oh, okay. Well, this is a fun date, but I don't have to continue on with it. And then I can go on this date and I can see, you know, what, who I am here with this person and how I feel and get to be a little bit brave. I remember this one guy, um, uh, he asked me out and he's like, oh, hey, I have this log cabin, you know, up in the mountains. You want to come and stay overnight? I'm like, yes, I would really love to, but I really don't want to have sex with you. Oh, okay. Not, not a problem. Right. That was a big deal for me to say that I didn't, you know, I had to learn how to do that. That you had a right to do that. Right. I, and, and he was very gentlemanly, nothing, you know, nothing of that sort happened. I had a fantastic time and that was the end of it. You know, we parted ways, bye-bye, everything was good. So, um, you know, I just learned all of these things. I learned, you know, the, about what colors make me happy in Target when I was crying. I learned about my wardrobe when um, I went into dress barn and started crying, <laughs> crying in there. I learned how to, gosh, have courage you know, when I went into Home Depot and just smiled at, at people, I learned how to, you know, say no when it didn't feel good and say yes when it did. Wow. So that, that, those on. were all the things, right? Now, this is, this is very interesting because being a probation officer to me would be a person with a lot of authority who has control and, and then to find yourself in a marriage that where you weren't, you were in control of financially, but it didn't sound like you were in control of much else. And so how yep. did that schism work out? How did that happen? What do you mean, my, my probation officer days? Well, you had this identity that you said you carried after you left the job of this of this probation officer that's very mm -hmm. like tough and yeah and so then how do you end up in a in a relationship in a marriage where this guy is essentially controlling you oh okay you mean with my ex-husband yeah um again you know I was always a great student and I was always a great worker and I took pride in my work. And so I guess I separated my work from my personal self. So, you know, my ex-husband, he, he was very supportive of my career and he would act all tough and stuff. And then I would act all tough and stuff. Um, but I think at the heart of it, you know, I still had, had no self-esteem, no self-worth at the time. So I really couldn't, I really wasn't able to communicate my needs. And besides that, I don't really even think I knew what I wanted because that I, I just, you know, my whole life, you know, there's a whole, everybody has a story, right? There's a backstory. My mother, maybe this will fill in some of the puzzle pieces for you. My mother was emotionally abusive. That's one of the reasons why I left. You know, my ex was kind of like, rah, 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 your mother is emotionally abusive. So leave her team and come on my team. Mm. But, you know, he was the same way. Yeah. So I didn't really grow in that sense. I just changed teams. Mm -hmm. Same person, change, uh, different teams. Yeah. So I think that's that, that's where the schism was. That was, you know, me being um, just, uh, you know, no lack of self-confidence, um, but, but pretending to play the role of this tough girl where, where I would, you know, arrest people and, you know, do home visits with the police and write violations and go to court. You know what I mean? 
So, so maybe I was trying to, I was trying to get strength for my job and trying th- to fill the void. I think that that that's what does happen to people is that we have, we have a set of identities in us. And a lot of us can be very well fitted and work out, be very successful, maybe in a career. And then the family life isn't working out so well. And so in the career, maybe there's more guardrails around how you have to be. And so you, you know, you figure it out and, and you do it. Whereas in our personal life, it's up to us to, to make those guardrails and to decide what the rules are. Because I do know, I'm thinking of my, my friend's father who was just, his ashes were buried yesterday. And he was a great man. He changed this country. He, he actually designed and implemented Medicare for the United States. And his family, he wasn't able to, like he had five kids and, and they were all adults at this time and he wasn't able. And, and so each one, everybody in the family like picked one name to give a gift. So you didn't give a gift to everybody. You just give it to one person, which means each person gets a more substantial gift. He had to like, he didn't get her, he didn't get her, her, her gift because he was busy in his whatever life. And so it's, it's interesting because we, we think of ourselves as being this, that, that everything has to be equally together in us. And yet it is so unequal in most people. Like, like some people are super good at their, their self-care and to, at the expense of, of other parts of their life. So it's, it's just very interesting how, so, so you in your, you know, you, you were probably a good probation officer. I mean, you did it for many years and you knew what to do and you did it and, you know, you didn't get fired and, and maybe you even helped people, you know, change their lives. And, and yet, so, but, but there is, what I guess what I'm trying to get is that there's not always cross the crossover that we would hope for in our different areas of life and how to to get a a, a, an identity where it it is more has more equilibrium so that all parts of us feel you know equally valid and and successful that's a great observation because i didn't really look at it from that point of view until now at my work i was spot on i was self-confident i knew my job right and then at home, I was this, this, this weakling, um, you know, person who got, I, I was, my forehead was used as a doormat. You know what I mean? I was just a doormat at home, but this, this great, <laughs> you know, I was, I was just, you know, this, this super employee. And then I get home and I'm not a super, you know, Christina, I'm not super Christina at home. And, and maybe Oh, maybe it's just easier that way. Maybe it's easier at work not to really face who you are. Well, they tell us who we have to be at work. Yeah, we have a boss. So there's, yeah. like you said, there's like a, there's like a, a, a box that you're supposed to do this and that and the other thing, and then here you go. But at, you know, in your home life and your personal life, it's not that clear. It's not that clear. Right. 
plus you have the, the all the baggage that you bring from your entire life yeah you know layering on top of the person you're with yeah and and in, a, in the career you know so human beings we compartmentalize ourselves mm -hmm. for good reason because it isn't safe to be all who we are everywhere and it's not it's not needed and it's not even the best thing regardless of whether it's safe and so um i'm, I'm not sure where i'm, I'm going with that but that's all you have to say <laughs> We compartmentalize because yeah. it's easier. It's easier than you know facing the truth sometimes. It's 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 easier. Maybe we don't even recognize the stuff. You know, you're talking about loss, loss of identity. And maybe you don't even know what you've lost because you're just so numb to everything at that point. I don't know. I yes, I think that is we as kids, we learn how to numb out. And then we forget how to unnumb out because yeah. as kids, we don't have the freedom to think freely and, and change our behavior and change our beliefs. And so then when we grow up, when we do have that freedom, we might not even know what we need to like re, re thaw out and bring back to life. Yeah, like a woman being a woman. I had to, I had to read that in a book, Julie. I mean, come on. <laughs> how sad is that <laughs> but it has a happy ending because you know i know i know who i want to be now and and of course you know we didn't talk about even the motherhood part of it that's just well, the we'll, pre-motherhood that'll, part. Part, that'll be part two <laughs> we'll do a part two because because that's a fascinating topic mm -hmm, so so we we should bring it to a close so people don't like decide they got to go do something else other than listen to this podcast. <laughs> so, so who are you, the woman now, and you're starting a podcast. What is that about? And how can people reach you? Okay. Um, my new podcast. And, and first of all, yeah, congratulations. And I am so happy this, what you've described and, and how you, the, the sort of analysis See, retrospect is so great. It is. And, 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 but really spelling it out for us, I think has been so valuable. Um, thank you so much for that. I really enjoy telling my story. I think it's, you know, it's an exciting story for me anyway. <laughs> it is exciting. Some people. And, and, and a lot of people, when you're in it, did you, did you believe, did you know for sure that that, that misery was going to end? Yes, because the one, the one, lesson that yoga teaches me on the mat is that if you are in a difficult situation on the mat and it's really hard for you to hold a pose and you're sweating and you're hating the teacher and you're like, oh my God, you know, when am I going to get out of this? All you have to do is breathe and then you will get out of it. So how that translates into real life. If you're in a situation in real life where it's totally uncomfortable, completely, um, you know, not good, like, you know, you're shaking, you're crying, you're mad. All you have to do is breathe and it won't last forever. That is a common, maybe not that same technique, but the fact that there are these ways to give you certainty that it won't last forever. Yeah, that's, that's really what, how, how I handled it. Okay, just breathe. It won't last forever. Mm, that's great. So, but thank you. I had so much fun. 
So what's the name okay. of your podcast? When, oh, when called, is it launching? Okay. It's called Outlets of Joy and it's launching January, 2022. I can't believe January I'm saying that loud. I need a date. Oh, oh I don't know. January 3rd. <laughs> January. What's the name of it again? Outlets of Joy? Outlets of Joy. And I started it because. Wait, hold, hold on. So you just heard this story from this woman and now she's doing a pod who didn't know who she was bad relationship the guy completely ripped her off um she didn't even know what color she wanted for her bathroom mm -hmm. towel and and she was just crying in in clothes barn <laughs> and and now she's doing a podcast outlet of joy go it's figure. been a long road long road julie it's been a long road plus i just want to just you know stick it to him a little bit more that you know I, he had me pay for his lawyer in the divorce so I was out thirty thousand dollars paying my divorce too but the way I looked at it was if somebody asked me you know if I were in prison and somebody came to my prison cell and said hey do you want to pay me thirty thousand dollars to get out of prison I would say yes I would so that's the way I look at it <laughs> but anyway yeah it's you, been paid, a long you road. paid thirty thousand dollars to get out of prison Yes, I did. Yeah. And it was well worth it. And I did it all by myself. You know, nobody helped me. I worked and I paid and that was how I did it. All right. And you are so, free. Uh, I'm free. If, if you're doing a podcast <laughs> um, outlet of joy, I would, I would say that you succeeded with flying colors. I, I did and I do, but it took me a while. So, um, and part think, two, I'll tell you the part two. That yeah, that, yeah, that is, that's what pisses people off and people around them is that why is this taking so long? And that is what identity transition is. It takes longer than you want, longer than you expect, way mm -hmm. longer than the people around you want it to take. Yes. And, and if you allow yourself to experiment and not pre-commit, then you can cross into a threshold where you can end up doing a podcast called Outlet of Joy. <laughs> that is so true. Because this, this whole dip, my second dip of loss of identity uh, was about eight and a half years long. So yeah, that's for later. But Outlets of Joy is, is a podcast where I help moms find their shimmer through, few, through food, humor, and health. Because um, I love food. I'm half Italian. So I was raised in a household where my mother, who was born in Italy, made good food all the time. And I... Careful now, it's lunchtime and I don't have I a lunch planned. <laughs> I'm a certified health coach and I know about food as medicine. A, a little quick teaser story is my daughter, my first daughter was born, my first child was born with an allergy to casein and whey, which affects about 2% of the whole world population, which means that she was not able to consume synthetic formula because it, because it had casein and whey. I was unable to nurse because I had a breast reduction and the plumbing didn't work. Oh. So um, she was bleeding internally. And because I had just graduated from health coach school, I knew a thing or two about food and I ended up making a homemade baby formula. So in 24 hours, her, her bleeding stopped. Oh, and I'm telling you that to tell you that I love food and I think food is medicine. I, I believe in it. I love humor. Humor is my love language because I think I was stuck <laughs> so long in like, you know, bad situations that humor just kind of brought me out of it. Carol Burnett, I love her so much. She makes me laugh so much. My husband makes me laugh. My bratty, charming husband from Alabama, he makes me laugh so much. And of course, health, because um, health is, isn't just about the food that you put in your mouth. It's about 
you know, what are you doing physically? What are you doing in your relationships? What are you doing in your career? What are you doing spiritually to make you feel healthy? So those are all the components that I use to get me out of my, my funk to help me find my shimmer. And, you know, if I could do it, you could do it too. So I just want to share that with all, all the moms out there who are feeling a little bit funky and need a little disco ball in their life. So how can they find you on Instagram or somewhere? Okay. Instagram. I am at Christina's Culinary Cabaret. Make sure you don't put the H in my first name. It's Italian. So I, I don't have the H in there. Christina um, like Christ. Yes. Uh, well, C-R-I-S-T-I-N-A. No H. Oh God. Oh, sorry. Don't, <laughs> don't get me to spell in public, please. <laughs> Um, I also have a YouTube channel that I put some videos out on healthy recipes. That's also Christina's Culinary Cabaret. Um, I have a little, a, a little thing, buymeacoffee.com slash Christina Cabaret. If you want to see what's going on over there, I put in, you know, little extra special things for supporters over there. So all that's right. where I will be. Thank so you, Julie. I'll, I'll I so put much that fun. in the show notes so that you can all find it. And Thanks thank so you so much. Bye. Bye. Hey there. The value that you got from this today, take it into your heart. Add value to it in your own life by putting it into practice and growing it to be part of your life, your daily habits, the takeaways that you got from this. Words and thoughts only take us so far. It's implementing on those words and thoughts that will change your life. Ideas are just ideas. Taking action on ideas is where growth happens and freedom emerges from growth. Freedom from our past invisible binding. We're here to grow and release ourselves from our past constraints. With awareness, intention, and through taking action on new choices, we evolve. In this process, we exalt our pain and suffering into wisdom that empowers us. We all have the ability to transform and become that person we yearn to be. If today's episode added value to your life, please share it with others. And make sure to subscribe to Bold Becoming Identity Retooled. And if you might, take a minute right now and leave a review so that others can find out about this podcast. If you'd like to contact me for one-on-one -on -one coaching or to get on the wait list for my Tough Stories workshop, send me an email and we'll be in touch. Be sure to check out our free Facebook group of Bold Becomers. The link's in the show notes.